Bridget, thank you for leading and conducting this morning. That was so great. I just, uh, again, Bridget, uh, she said you sang last week as part of the bringing it forward, and this morning, uh, Bridget had the opportunity to conduct us. Bridget is one of our McKinster fellows here at the church, and so she's uh, kind of growing up in ministry, and so there's another step. So thank you. Be, be able to celebrate that together. As we continue on this morning, we're continuing in our series entitled Five Smooth Stones. The whole series is built upon the, the premise of how important it is for us as people of faith to have positive, powerful life affirmations. That as we confront the issues of our lives that would be, we might consider the giants of our lives, the things that kind of get out there and intimidate us and maybe even overwhelm us, that in those moments of our lives, how important it is for us to have a truth of God, we're calling that our smooth stones, for, for us to have a truth of God that we can grasp hold of in those moments, that we can speak into those moments in that truth in ways that that word of God would be a strength for you. Uh, in that time. And so as we've gone through the series, we started out on the first week with the whole notion of change and how change can be, you know, in, in as we journey through the seasons of our lives, uh, there's so much change that is part of life and sometimes that can be pretty intimidating. And so we looked at a verse from Joshua, the first chapter, the ninth verse, where it says, where Joshua speaks to the people, says, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so as we face the changes of our lives, what it invites us to do is to to embrace the whole notion that God is with us wherever we go, particularly as we proceed forward into whatever is before you, that God is in the midst of those moments. God is with us wherever we go. And so we looked at that the first week. The second week, what we looked at was the whole notion of regret. And we talked about how in regret it's so, usually it comes out of a hurt in our lives. Usually it's difficult to find forgiveness in the midst of our regrets. And usually it's really hard to find a fresh start and we began to look at a verse from 1 John, the first chapter, the ninth verse, where, where this particular scripture says, if we confess our sins, if we own that part of us that is a, as a hurt in our lives, that God is faithful and just to forgive. See, when we own those places where we have a hard time forgiving ourselves, God is there in forgiveness for you and for me. God is faithful and just to forgive and then cleanse us from all unrighteousness, giving us a fresh start. And that's what that was all about. And so we looked at what that meant uh, a couple of weeks back. Then last week we looked at the whole notion of worry and how worry can really, again, occupy us in, in so many ways. There's so many things uh, that we worry about. And as we looked at that particular uh, giant in our lives, we looked at Romans 8, 28, which may, I know it's one of my favorite verses, maybe it is for you as well, and the particularly the way the RSV renders that particular verse, it says, in the midst of all things, in all things, God is at work for good. And so whatever we are worrying about in our lives, you and I need to know that that is not apart from God, that God's in the midst of that, and that God's working in the midst of that. And when God works, God works for good. And so, again, we looked into to having that truth kind of as a smooth stone when we come into those giant moments of our lives to be able to say to ourselves, in the midst of this, I know that God is at work for good and kind of hanging on to that, what that would mean. Today we're going to look at a huge giant and it is the giant of loneliness. 
And so as we come and we, as we look at, at uh, this reality in our lives, we're going to look at it uh, through the lens of, again, a verse from Romans 8. And again, Romans 8 is a great, great chapter of Scripture. Uh, this particular verse we're going to look at is from the end of that chapter where the apostle writes, there is nothing that can separate you, that can separate me from the love of God that is yours in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whatever you and I, you know, when we feel like we're all alone, we feel like we're isolated, we feel like we're separate, he says there's nothing in all of creation that can separate you or me from the love of God in Christ our Lord. So in that truth, I'm going to invite us to bow our heads to be in prayer uh, and to move forward this morning as we look into that giant of loneliness. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that we can gather this morning as a people of faith. And as a people of faith, we can open up our lives to, to your truth and for the ways that your truth would frame out the reality in which we live our days in a relationship with you and how that would then draw us into relationship with one another. How it would help us to find a strength that you would give, a peace that you would give, a truth that you would give that would lead us forward and would help us to live life, to embrace life and live life as a gift from you. And so, Lord, in that grace, we come into this time, open hearts, open minds, ready to receive what you would give, ready to follow in the ways that you would lead. And, Lord, let it all be to your glory, through Christ, whose name we pray. Amen. I want to start out this morning with three stories about loneliness. Because as I tell the stories of loneliness, hopefully what will begin to happen is it will help us to think, help you to think about the story of loneliness that is part of your life as well. First story starts like this, uh, a 44-year-old woman. And uh, she said, I never expected to be a person for whom loneliness was part of my life. Happily married, have a couple of kids. You know, life seemed to be going just the way, you know, kind of this picture-perfect life. And then our family relocated to a different part of the country. And when we moved to a different part of the country because of my spouse's job, when we made that move, I left behind a great circle of friends. Friends that I'd raised my kids with, friends that I'd come close to, friends where we shared our life together. And, and when we moved, I left that behind. You know, and I thought I'd be able to replace that, but I just found that, you know, as life went on, it just was so hard to replace that in my life. I would see, you know, groups of women walking, um, you know, in the park or, stay, you know, walking together, talking together, just kind of sharing life together, and I would, I would see that, and I would just so long to be part of that group. I so missed that. Where I'd go to Starbucks, I'd see people gather, you know, around the table just kind of talking and laughing and kind of sharing life together. And again, there's just there's this emptiness inside of me. I mean, just began to become in touch with that. She said, you know, you know, she, as you get older, she's in my, in my job, I'm really busy, so I don't have the opportunity to get out and connect with a lot of people. And plus, as you get older, what you begin to sense is that people have already got their circle of friends. They're not looking to make new friends, you know, and so those circles are already out there. And so she said, I found myself at a place where I experienced loneliness. Never expected that but it was there as part of her life. Story number two. 33-year-old young man, 
he had a great circle of friends. In that great circle of friends, you know, he said, you know, uh, life was going on and he was beginning to find that, that all his friends were starting to get married. And all his friends not only were starting to get married, they were starting to have children. And so his life was still one of single, being single, and their lives were ones of, you know, uh, relationships and, and marriage and, and kids. And, and so as they would spend time together, he said, you know, I just felt like I was kind of, we were on, operating on different wavelengths. You know, their lives were going this direction. My life was going this direction. You know, I wanted to hang out. You know, they didn't have time to hang out. You got to get home with diapers. You don't have time to hang out, you know. And so they were just kind of at that place, he said, where, where their lives were going in this way. My life was going in this way. And even when they would invite me, I would just feel like a, like a third wheel. And so what I experienced was loneliness. A third vignette of a 77-year-old man. He'd been married 52 years. His wife passed away. When his wife passed away, he said it was the emptiest, loneliest time in his life. And that everywhere he looked, he saw her. And every time he turned around, he heard her. It was like her presence was always there and yet she was not there and he said it was just the loneliest, loneliest place to be in life. I tell you those vignettes because loneliness is part of life. Because you have a story of loneliness. Any of us here could stand right in this place and tell a story. And it'd be a powerful story because it's your story and it's the ways that you have experienced that sense of being you know being all alone in fact uh, loneliness is so powerful so profound that um, that over in England they, d they did a study and they said that you know out of 66 million people in England when they did this survey 9 million people reported experiencing loneliness chronic loneliness uh, on a regular basis in a way that what the government of England did was they created a governmental position you know how we have the uh, you know the, the ministry of defense and the ministry of this and the ministry of that they created a ministry of loneliness there is a minister of loneliness in the British government because they saw loneliness really as a, as a health issue as a mental health issue within the country and in that same study, what they found was not only that 66 million people it, it reported a chronic loneliness, they found that one million of those people reported that within a particular period of a month, I want you to think about this, over a particular period of a month, they did not talk to a friend, a family member, or a neighbor. I want you to think about that. 30-day period of time, not talking to a friend, a family member, or a neighbor. Chronic loneliness. Now we say, well, that's across the pond, you know, so that's over there. What about over here? Over here, the reports, you know, we begin to read the reports that goes from 40% to 50% in terms of people who experience loneliness in a re in a, on a regular basis. You know, it is pervasive. And not only is it pervasive in terms of the reports, you would think that maybe what would happen is that that would kind of skew toward uh, those who are older in the population. 
that just don't get around and get out as much as maybe the, the younger part of the population, but actually it is the reverse. Actually, when you begin to look at the studies and the reports, what you begin to find is that the younger people get, the more lonely they report feeling. To the extent that the people who report feeling the loneliness, lo loneliest uh, in our society are the millennials and the Gen Zers. The Gen Zers are people from 18 to 22. And I want you to think about that just for just a moment because for me it is just, it's it just kind of incredible that those who are most technologically connected are most relationally disconnected. You know, it's kind of an amazing thought. It's no wonder that the, the music, the song of the Beatles, you know, it's an old song, but I think it really resonates. Eleanor Rigsby, you may know the words to the song, all the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Look at all the lonely people. Look at all the lonely people. Okay, sometimes for me, that's a matter of looking in the mirror. <laughs> Maybe that's uh, the same way with you. You know, the funny thing about loneliness is that sometimes you can be alone and not feel lonely. <laughs> you know, you can be alone and be a com you know, comfortable and at peace. And there's sometimes, and you know this, you can be in a whole crowd of people <laughs> surrounded by people and you can feel all by yourself. You can feel all, all alone. So often loneliness is a companion of loss. Again, a, a death of a loved one, or a friend, you know, relative, neighbor, you know, can be a companion of loss. Loneliness can also come from just a sense of, of um, being not able to connect with the people who are around you. For whatever reason you feel that you're not seen, that you're not heard, that you're not accepted, that you're not affirmed, and that people, you know, sometimes you feel like they don't even want to, you know, hear me, see me, <laughs> accept me, affirm me, you know, and there's that sense of deep loneliness, of isolation, of separation. And so when we find ourselves in that spot in life, that sense of loneliness, isolation, separation, I love the scripture, I love the smooth stone, it brings forward God's truth, and this is why we claim it, that in those moments of life, nothing can separate you, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is yours, the love of God that is mine, and Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, you speak that truth into those moments in our lives. Because I want to tell you, friends, Jesus is the Lord of love, embraced human loneliness. Particularly when you come to the last moments of Jesus' life, the last days of Jesus' life, you begin to see how he embraced loneliness in those moments. You know, he shared with his disciples at a table, uh, and they had an intimate meal together. We celebrate that today as we celebrate the communion. He shared in that upper room together. Then he goes out into the garden. As he goes out into the garden, he tells those who are closest with him, I want you to come with me. I'm going to go forward, and I'm going to go pray, and I need you. I need you to be my companions. I need you to be with me in these moments, you know. So oftentimes, you know, we're always worried about how we all need Jesus. Well, this was a time where Jesus needed them. 
Do you remember how this story went? They all fell asleep. In the moments when Jesus needed them, they all fell asleep. And so Jesus had to come face to face with the reality of his death by himself. The time when he needed others, he was alone. And then from those moments, into those moments, Judas came with the soldiers. And as he comes in with the soldiers, all the disciples take off. The very ones who said, you know, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'll go with you so I can die with you. Those are the very people that are now there. That's, that's not where we are anymore. And so Jesus goes into his trials alone. And then Jesus goes to the cross alone. And you know the words that come from the cross. They're the most, they are said to be some of the loneliest words in all the scripture. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? See, they're spoken by one who, as Jesus understood his life, his life was lived in intimate relationship with God, in constant communion with God. I and the Father are one, is the truth that Jesus spoke. But yet, when he's on the cross, my God, my God, where are you? Aren't those the words of loneliness? Aren't those words that you've spoken, that I've spoken? My God, my God, who are you? I need you right now. Jesus embraced human loneliness because of his love for you and for me. So that we would know that in the brace, his embrace of loneliness, he embraces you and I with love when we experience loneliness in our lives. So that you and I would know in the midst of our lives, in the midst of those moments, that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is yours in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the reality of the cross. That's why we embrace the cross. Because at that place, the love of God and the loneliness of Christ spoken into our loneliness in ways that we know that we're never, ever alone. And so we come to the cross, and it's at the cross that we have the hope of experiencing what the psalmist experienced when, he, when we read the psalm earlier. And it's, it's a beautiful psalm, 139 where he says, God, where can I go from your spirit and where should I flee from your presence? If I go up into heaven, you're there. If I go into the depths of hell, well, you're there. If I go out to the ocean and go over the sunrise, you know, go over the horizon and get to where the sun rises up, he says, you're there. And if I find myself in the darkest of nights, even the darkest of nights are as light to you. Your presence is there. And I love the very last verse that, that Brenda read because he says, you know, I'm thinking all these thoughts about God. I'm thinking about where God is, you know, and he says, you know, the, the, the thoughts and the notion of God is too vast for all of my thoughts. And he comes to the end of all of those thoughts. And at the end of the, all those thoughts, the last thought is this, the last truth is this, you are still with me. You're never alone. There's nothing that can separate you and I from the love of God in Christ. Nothing. 
And so what I'm going to invite you to do this morning is to embrace that last time that you experienced loneliness because you had that story. The time when you found your heart, yourself, in that place. And in that place, I just want you to grab that stone and sense what that feels like. To have that memory. And to say, you know what? In that place, nothing can separate me from the love of God and Christ Jesus, my Lord. Hope you got a picture. I hope you grasp the truth. Because now I'm going to ask you to take one more step. And there's one more step that we can take as we move forward out of the loneliness. And the, and the second step goes like this. is Once we find ourselves embraced by that truth in Jesus Christ, what that does is it strengthens us to embrace someone else who is lonely. You see, the best way, one of the best ways to move beyond loneliness is not only to know that Jesus embraces me, but for me to make a decision, for you to make a decision, you know, the best way for me to get out of my loneliness is to help somebody else out of their loneliness. The best way for me to move beyond that point is to decide, you know what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look for a lonely person. And I'll tell you, if you start looking, it's not hard to find one. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> I'm just going to look for that person who kind of seems to be by themselves, seems to be off, seems to be, you know, needing... Uh, someone to reach out to them, needing a call, needing care. I'm just going to look for that person and I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to reach out to them. I'm just going to let them know I'm thinking about them. I'm just going to find out who they are. I'm just going to make a new friend. I'm just going to do something where, where I make that connection in my life because I know that if they're experiencing what I'm experiencing, when we come together in the midst of loneliness with loneliness, you know, all of a sudden Christ's presence is there. And the loneliness is not as big as it was. The giant gets shrunk down to size. And I can just tell your friends from personal experience, I've had moments where that, that truth, it just works great. I can remember going to annual conferences where all the preachers go and there's thousand, you know, about a thousand people are getting together and everybody's talking about how much we love each other and how we're in covenant together and how we live this life together. And as we do all that, I'm sitting here feeling, man, I, I was really early on in my ministry, I was a low person on the totem pole. I, said, I don't know anybody here. You know? And everybody's talking about how we kind of get together and love on each other and know each other. I don't know anybody here. And I tell you, in those moments, I felt lonelier than normal. And when I felt lonelier than normal, I, I felt that one conference. I decided the next year when I went back, you know what I was going to do? I was going to find the person who's sitting by themselves at conference. <laughs> I was going to sit with them because that was how it was going to help me. It was going to help them. And it did. I tell you, it works. You know, to reach beyond yourself and your loneliness to someone else and their loneliness, that's how you move beyond loneliness. And I love the way that our final hymn is going to celebrate that as we sing it together. And we're going to do that after we come to the table this morning. But the final hymn goes like this. Why should I feel discouraged? And why should the shadows come? And why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? Because Jesus is my portion, my constant friend, is he and his eye is on the sparrow and you know what 
He watches me. He watches you. He watches me. In the midst of our lives, in the midst of our loneliness, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your truth. We give you thanks for the ways that we embrace it in and through our faith. We give you thanks for the ways that we would find how your spirit moves in those words, that they might be your holy word to us, that they might be your strength for us, that they might be your light for us, that they might lead us forward in that sense of your deep and abiding presence. And Lord, for that gift of your grace, for the ways that we celebrated and worship this morning, particularly as we come to the table, we give you our thanks and praise. In Jesus' holy name, amen. We do come to the table today, and I want to let you know that this is not a Spring Valley table. It's not a Methodist table. It's a table of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of us are invited to come and feast upon the bounty of God's grace. We're going to begin with those. I invite those who are assisting with uh, communion. Uh, then we're going to begin uh, with our choir when the right time comes. And so we invite those who are assisting to come forward at this time. Dear friends, the Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, for you formed us in your image and you breathed into us the breath of life. And when we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join together in the unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim the least to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty the oppressed and to announce the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection gave birth to the church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of the Word and of the Spirit. And on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks and blessing it, he broke it. And he gave it to those who followed him, and he said, Take and eat, for this is my body which is broken for you. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and after giving thanks of the cup, he poured it out and he gave it to them and said, Take and drink, for this is the cup of the new covenant. Pour it out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you shall drink in remembrance of me. Let us pray together. O gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of the bread and of the cup. And make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world. 
until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray together the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.